0: Shabbat Shalom. shalom. This week's parasha is titled Ki Tavol, which means when you come in. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 1 through 29, verse 9. This parasha covers regulations regarding tithing once the Jewish people enter the promised land, as well as blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Chapter 26 covers tithing. Every year, the people were required to set aside some of the first of their crop as a tithe. This was based on a three-year cycle that was to be repeated. During the first two years, this tithe was to be given to the place where God would establish his name, referring to the centralized worship which would eventually be established at the temple in Jerusalem. Every third year, however, this tithe was to be given to the Levite, to the stranger, to the orphan, and to the widow, that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Verse 12. So there were two years of tithing on a national level and one year of tithing locally. Chapter twenty-seven. Chapters 27 and 28 contain the curses pronounced from atop Mount Ebal, the blessings pronounced from on Mount Gerizim, and the consequences for disobedience. Mount Gerizim, no longer called by its biblical name, is located about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. Mount Ebal, the modern Jabal Ebal, and Mount Gerizim are the two highest mountains in this region of the Holy Land. The biblical city of Shechem, a city frequently mentioned in the Old Testament, was located at the base of Mount Gerizim. Now, the tribes were separated. Six tribes on Mount Ebal, the mountain from which the curses were pronounced, and Mount Gerizim, from where the blessings were pronounced. The tribes that stood on Mount Ebal to pronounce the curses were Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The tribes that stood on Mount Gerizim to pronounce the blessings were Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. So, I wondered if there was some prophetic reason for separating separating the tribes in this manner. I mean, the tribes that pronounced the blessings included Levi, from which the high priests and the Levites were descended. Judah, from where... Messiah came, and Joseph and Benjamin, the two most favored sons of Jacob. Do you want to know what I found out? I did not discover any apparent connection. And although it seems like I'm off on a tangent here, this can actually try to teach us not to read too much into a verse or passage. It seems like there are more and more conspiracy theories abounding today where people are trying to distort biblical verses to fit their view of the current or future world situation. Chapter 27 contains the curses pronounced from Mount Ebal. These curses covered the making of idols, dishonoring parents, and also several sins of a sexual nature. However, there are also curses for misleading people and generally not following God's laws. There have been several who have mentioned that many of these sins can be done in private without anyone knowing. But the implication is that God sees all and there will be consequences for even those types of actions. Chapter 28 contains the blessings for following God's instructions, blessings for individuals, blessings for offspring, blessings for abundant harvest, harvest protection, harvest protection against enemies and other blessings. After the curses and blessings were pronounced, the rest of chapter 27 discusses the consequences of being disobedient. This is actually the main section of Parsha Ki Tavo, taking up almost half the passage, the consequences of being disobedient. Without going into extensive deal, detail, which would totally depress us on this very hot and humid but beautiful Saturday, this section is like a ring. It starts out with individual consequences for disobedience, and then it keeps expanding outward growing and growing, eventually ending up as a national calamity, and finally, the nation of Israel being forced into service of a foreign nation. So, what can we learn from Parsha Ki Tavo? Well, from the section on tithing, I think we can learn to look beyond our own needs and look to the needs of others. In chapter 26, we read about helping the the Levite, the stranger, the orphan and the widow. There are plenty of people out there today who could use our help financially, through prayer, and in other ways. We can also learn that there are consequences for disobedience. This world is beckoning us. No, no, not beckoning. Screaming. Screaming at us to turn away from God. As an example, I've been shocked, absolutely shocked, by the relatively recent numbers of, number of commercials on the radio about gambling. Something that I noticed as soon as sports betting became legal in Michigan. There is not a day that goes by when I don't hear at least one of these commercials. And the flip side of this are the commercials for problem gambling. They're just sad. Bringing up examples such as have you ever gambled and not had enough money for bills, for groceries, for your family? That's so sad. It really is. This is the type of thing that might seem innocent at first, but can grow to have consequences. And if there is somebody out here dealing with that issue today, I pray that you come to speak with Rabbi Lauren. Really, something that really can be helped. From a biblical perspective, Proverbs 28, 20 reminds us, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. There are consequences for disobedience. And finally, the topic of joy. It might seem strange that I mention joy in a passage dominated by curses, but God wants us to worship him joyfully. He does not want us to feel like this is some kind of drudgery that we have to slog through every day. And perhaps that's what we're seeing today in Judaism, Catholicism, Islam, and other religions, especially among the very religiously observant. The structure of worship has been so wrought with rules and regulations about food, times for prayer, and almost every other aspect of life. People are so caught up in observing these requirements that they've forgotten the joy of worship. We have even seen examples of that here at Shema. People have called the Shema phone and said, they want to worship with us because we follow the true Saturday Sabbath. People have said, they're starting to keep kosher because that's the true way to follow God. These measures, when applied with the wrong motivation, They separate us from God, not bring us closer. So, I think as we begin the high holiday season in a little over a week, we should all look into our own hearts and ask ourselves about how we are worshiping the living God and discern our true motivation. If we've strayed in this area, let's ask the Lord to guide us back to live our lives with joy for him. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul reminds us, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Shabbat shalom.